Can we pray together? As we come here before you today, Father, as your people to worship you. And we've called you by those names because that is who you are. And it's our prayer, Father, that whatever you need to do here today, you do it, that we would obey. For those that are believers in Jesus, that have never followed you in baptism, they decide today to take that step. No matter what's in their mind at this very moment, that they would decide to be obedient. For those who have never trusted Christ Jesus as their Savior, that they would decide today they need to commit their life to follow Jesus, and they'd get baptized this very day. Make us obedient, Father, because of who you are. It's in the saving name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We have one purpose today, to kindly call Christ followers to obedience. And to give them the immediate opportunity to demonstrate that obedience by believer's baptism. That's what our next step series is about. And how we're going to do that is we're going to end our worship service here in about uh, 25 minutes. We are. We're going to try to end by about 10.20. And then you have about 10 minutes like normal to get to Sunday school. So that at 10.30, Sunday school will start. And so I hope you get started at 1030 and you have 50 minutes, five zero minutes for Sunday school, a little shorter than normal, but you'll be able to do it so that by 1120, you're dismissing to come back here so that at 1130, we start singing again and we baptize whoever's come. I already know we have three people that have said to me, I'm getting baptized today, Pastor Aaron, but I trust there's more sitting out there now. And I know that there's some others that couldn't be here today that say we're going to get baptized soon just because we've called them to obedience like this. So I don't know about you, but I think this is pretty cool. And I'm willing to do things a little different this one Sunday to see how it goes. One other note, if you have children in child care, child care will be closing at 1130. So you need to get your children out and bring them with you because we're going to sing a song, baptize whoever needs to be baptized, sing another song of rejoicing and be dismissed by noon is the plan. If we get done before noon because we have fewer baptisms, that's fine. So that's what we're doing. So today is a day on purpose, a day to call people to take the next step to be baptized as believers to make that simple declaration of obedience. And that no matter what has held us back in the past because of the family we grew up in or because it just didn't seem right or because our own pride, we didn't want to make a video or we didn't want to say something in front of people, that we would get over all of those things and just choose to obey us in our Scripture Memory Verse of the Month. And that Scripture Memory Verse of the Month from Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, let's say it together. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. God loves us so much that he saved us when we were still dead in our sins, and it's by his grace. So our next steps, we'll outline them again quickly for you. They're on your outline if you're taking notes. The first one is follow Jesus. And follow Jesus means get saved. Trust Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Confess that you are a sinner and that you need Jesus to save you from your sins. But there's a double entendre there that we'll talk about in the weeks ahead as well because following Jesus is an ongoing process. It is, in the Greek sense of the verb, a perfect tense. It happened in the past, but it goes on in the future indefinitely. 
The second next step is to get baptized. That's where we're at today, calling people to get baptized. It's one time, and we'll talk about that further here in just a moment. That's what this brief sermon's about. The third step is invite others. Invite others is an ongoing process as well. Because you have trusted Christ as your Savior, because you are obedient to Christ in following Him, you know that you need to invite others into personal relationship with you, to consider Jesus as their Savior as well, and to join us at church and in fellowship and other things where they might be around other believers to say, you know, there is a different way to do life, and this looks pretty good. The fourth step is belong together. Belong together. God made us for relationships. He created us to be in relationship with Him and with other people. The only things in all of life that are eternal are God and the souls of humanity. And those things are eternal so that um, we should belong together. We see that. Then we've got begin giving. Begin giving is your fifth step. It's giving your time, your talents, and treasures. And... We'll get there in a few weeks. Start serving. Start serving. Uh, God's created us all uniquely and given us a unique shape for ministry. We'll talk about that then. But he's calling us to serve. And on that Sunday, we'll have an opportunity for you to say, yeah, I'm interested in uh, serving in this ministry in our church or through our church. And the final one is disciple others. What we mean by that is make disciples, i.e. lead others in the process of discipleship so that you've been equipped to uh, teach and lead others. But today it's simple. Believer's baptism. We're calling people to believer's baptism, a symbolic act of obedience of followers of Jesus. So the first thing we need to know there is that baptism is not saving. Baptism itself does not save you. Now, I know there are some churches that teach, though it does, and there are two different passages of Scripture in the New Testament where you might say, hey, if you read it that way, it looks like you got to be saved in order to be baptized. But if you look at all the other Scriptures about salvation in the New Testament, it's by your belief. It's by your repentance and turning from self to Christ that you are saved. And if you look at all the other scriptures about baptism in the New Testament, people believed in Jesus first and followed him in baptism second. So baptism is not saving. Your sub-point there is that only belief in Jesus saves you. John 3.16 tells us that. You know what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't say whoever gets baptized shall not perish but have eternal life. It says whoever believes in him. Belief is an act of faith that you say, even though I can't see everything about God, even though I don't know everything about God, I believe Jesus is God's son and I'm going to put my faith in him to save me for eternity, to save me from my sins. Belief leads to salvation. Your next point there says that no human work saves you. Now, the Christian life is not without effort. There are spiritual disciplines throughout Scripture that we should practice, and you'll hear me talk about those things as well. Even our name, uh, that we are disciples of Jesus, that means by the very nature that we have discipline. There are things we do in order to do that. However, our works do not save us. Our works demonstrate that we are saved. Can I get an amen? They don't save us. They just show that we are. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is our touchstone passage there. For it's by grace you have been saved. Through faith. 
And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no man can boast. A gift is something that's given freely. It's not something that you earn. And God gives us the gift of salvation because of his love for us. If you've got your Bible open there, think back to our scripture memory verse for the month. That's just right up the page there. Verse 4 and 5. What did it say? But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ. When we were dead in our transgressions, it's by grace we've been saved. So it's not by our works. It's not by baptism. It's by God's love demonstrating itself in his grace that we might follow him. So that's what baptism is not. But what is baptism? Baptism is. The first point there is baptism is following Jesus' example. Following Jesus' example. I don't know how you learn. Um, there are different learning styles. Uh, visual, auditory, kinesthetic. I think I'm a bit of a kinesthetic that leads towards, leans towards visual. I need to see something. I need to do something in order to really learn it. So Melanie got a new board game for Christmas, Trekking the National Parks, uh, which is kind of cool. It's a game in which has all the national parks in the United States. And uh, I'm not going to tell you all the rules, but what did I do last night? Nobody else wanted to play the game. I opened that sucker up. I watched a video about it. I read the rules, and I played versus myself for about an hour. So I could learn how to do it, right? So that hopefully tonight or tomorrow night or sometime soon, I can get all my family around the table and say, okay, I know how to do this now. Let's play this game because it'll be fun. Trust me. Following Jesus' example is even in baptism. Uh, if you look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 17, very early at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, what does it say? Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. John the Baptist. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? So John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, but John the Baptist was to be the forerunner to tell people about Jesus. And he knew the Messiah was coming, and he knew it would be Jesus here. And he's saying, you're the Messiah, the Savior. I'm just the guy to tell everybody about you. Why do you come to me? This feels out of place. But look at what Jesus says in John or Matthew chapter 3, verse 15. Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And the moment heaven opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son with whom I love, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Jesus did not get baptized like us in order to symbolize death to his self, uh, his self and flesh and sin and resurrection to new life to follow Christ. Jesus got baptized as an example for us. Jesus got baptized to show us this is what you do to obey. This is the mode in which you do it to be under the water. This is what you do to demonstrate your humility that you are a follower of mine. Jesus got baptized as an example for us. Now, if you're in the book of Matthew, turn to Matthew chapter 28, because that leads us to our second point, is that baptism is commanded by Jesus. 
Baptism is commanded by Jesus. Now, I don't know that we have any Greek scholars here, but here's what I know about this passage of Scripture. When it says there in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, that all authority, Jesus speaking, in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. The emphasis of that in the Greek text that it was originally written in is to make or win disciples. But think about all the other verbs there. You've got to go in order to win disciples. You baptize them because they have been won as disciples. You teach them because you have been won as disciples. That everything there carries that same force of the command of winning disciples for Jesus. That baptizing followers of Jesus goes hand in glove with winning followers of Jesus. Your third point there is that baptism is symbolic of a new life. That's over in Romans chapter 6. There's also a similar passage in Colossians chapter 2. And when you hear me baptize somebody, you hear words very similar to this. So you'll hear them a couple times here in an hour or so. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. It says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead when he really died through the glory of our death to our old life. Our baptism symbolizes our death to our old life and our resurrection to a new life. Baptism is symbolic of new life in Jesus. This helps answer the question, why doesn't infant baptism count? Well, you have to be a believer in Jesus in order to be baptized the biblical way, the way that Jesus gave us an example for. And as an infant, you cannot be a believer of Jesus because you don't know what's going on. Someone is doing it to you. You are not making a choice based on your own will. That might also go for certain churches that baptize people at a certain age because they've completed a certain class. Just because you completed a certain class doesn't mean you necessarily trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. And so you have to ask yourself, and you might say, I was baptized at this age or at this age, but when do you know you became a believer in Jesus? When did you put your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord? If it was after either one of those baptisms, then you weren't baptized. You may have been baptized as per the parlance of your, your church at the time, but you weren't baptized according to Scripture. Scriptural baptism is for those who have believed Jesus as their Savior and Lord, so they have to be old enough to know that they have sinned. They have to be old enough to have asked Christ Jesus to forgive them their sins and put their faith in Him as an act of their own personal will. Let's move to the fourth point here. Baptism is a response to... And I love his simple phrase, time to stop the chariot and get baptized. You said it more eloquently than that. But it's time, right? But look at what happens here in Acts chapter 16. We're in the middle of the story. Paul and Silas have been thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. And they're singing hymns, and an earthquake happens, the door is opened, the jailer thinks that they're going to run out, and because these are high-value prisoners, he's going to be killed because he let them escape. And, uh, you know, so Paul says to him in verse 28, don't harm yourself, we're here. It says, the jailer called for lights, this is Acts 16, 29, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He had heard them singing hymns, he knew why they were in jail. 
he brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He knew that he needed the Jesus they were singing about. And what did they say? They say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. They immediately, he and his family were baptized. They believed in Jesus and then they were baptized. And they were baptized without delay. Baptism is a response to believing in Jesus. If you've believed in Jesus as your Lord and Savior already, you need to be baptized. I know, as Pastor David mentioned, we sometimes baptize because we say, well, I want family and friends here, and that's a good reason to wait. Maybe it's because a child at a young age makes a decision, and we say, we want to wait a few more years. That's a good reason to wait. But if you're a teenager, if you're an adult... Unless you absolutely positively know you have to wait because somebody's coming or something works better for your family, you should get baptized as soon as reasonably possible. As soon as reasonably possible. We don't keep water in the baptistry every week, so as soon as somebody walks down the aisle, we don't run back there. We could fill it up in about 20 minutes, but it would be cold. Um, as it is, uh, you know, it's heated, and so it's not cold, and trust me, I checked it this morning. It's good. It's good this morning. But your baptism is a response to believing in Jesus. One final point for you to consider. Baptism is about obedience. John 14, 21. It's obedience to God's command. John 14, 21 is not about baptism per se. It's about obedience. And John 14, 21 says that whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too, Jesus speaking, will love him and show myself to him. If you love Jesus, you'll obey him. Baptism is a command that you should obey. So you have a final question. How should I respond? I've outlined just a few scriptures very quickly to illustrate for us from the Bible why we should be baptized, and who should be baptized. So here's the question. Who will choose to be obedient to follow Jesus in believer's baptism today? Who has already trusted Christ as their personal Savior and Lord and just needs the opportunity to say, stop the chariots, let's get baptized. Here's water. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we come before you now, we pray that if there's a soul here who's never trusted Jesus as their Savior and Lord, that they would make that decision today, and that even today they could be baptized. Father, we pray that um, those of us who are believers in Jesus that may not have been baptized yet, that they'd make that decision, that they would do that today, that we would follow you in obedience today. So God, our Father, we ask that we'd see this demonstration of obedience for your glory, laying down our pride, humbling ourselves before you, whatever our reasons to wait, in Jesus' name.